You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop! Hello, welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. I'm Ken. Uh, I have here my uh, co-hosts, Neil, Jeff, and Matt. Hello, boys. Hello. Howdy. I'm just going to call everybody boys like it's a hockey game from uh, now on. Yes. I'm excited for the start of hockey season. Yeah, my hammy is, is killing me. All right, boys. Let's have a good show today, boys. Okay. Uh, and I think we will have a good show today because, uh, first of all, we have a guest uh, coming to us over Skype. He's going to actually be my teammate today. We have Scott Muffet. He's a Cruiserweight uh, Patreon, and we appreciate that. Scott, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, and uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I live in Bluffton, South Carolina, down in the low country. I uh, work as a chemist for a water utility down here, Neat. and a uh, big fan of trivia and podcasts and trivia podcasts. Very nice. Yeah, well, we certainly appreciate your uh, patronage. That's that's what you would say for a Patreon, right? Patronage. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, or support. We really I, appreciate I, it. I sort of think yeah. that's how they intend it. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you for what you do as well for uh, for clean water. That's what we need. So, yeah. All right, and furthermore, on the show, uh, providing the questions today and uh, being our guest host is uh, returning to the show, actually, is Matt Coleman, who is also a cruiserweight uh, champion, and we appreciate your support. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to hosting. I've never actually hosted anything related to trivia before, so it'll be fun being on this side, and I hope the questions you know, are enjoyable for everybody. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. You were on one of our Lay It On Me episodes, that's right? He was on a full episode and an upcoming Lay It On Me, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So we're yes. li- yeah, what we do know about Matt is he is an expert at Seinfeld. His first name is actually Cosmo, and his license plate <laughs> says Ass Man. So... <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, can you refresh our listeners uh, what you're all about, sir? Sure. Uh, I'm from Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I'm an attorney here, and I really enjoy trivia. Um, love your podcast and a variety of others. So, like I said, I'm excited to see how uh, it is on this end of asking the questions rather than trying to answer them. So It's less stressful. <laughs> Wait, on yeah. our end? On, on the writing end. Oh well, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess that's right. I'm I pretty, mean, I'm pretty stressed right now. I, I think I think reading <laughs> the questions is much more stressful than actually trying to answer them. Trying mm-hmm. to read the questions without stumbling over your words, perhaps. I mean, I've made fewer errors in writing questions, so I guess it's less stressful to me. But I'm sure I'm I, sure Matt's going to be a a pro at this. 
I would think so, although I just became a Patreon subscriber and I went back through the back catalog of the Patreon exclusive episodes and then had to delete about four of the questions I wrote <laughs> because they were questions that happened to have appeared on there. So, Well, we do love questions that, that we've had before because uh, it certainly helps us out. Makes us feel better. Yeah. Although, uh, honestly, our <laughs> hit rate on those is lower than it should be expected. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I know, uh, speaking for myself, Matt, uh, with you being an attorney, I'm not sure what type of law you practice, but I would just hope as a Patreon supporter that uh if i do burn myself you would uh definitely tell me to not put the balm cream on <laughs> what does well. that even mean <laughs> he knows <laughs> what it means uh, it's a long, I know long way around gotta put the bomb on all right <laughs> well uh i think we decided that i was going to team up with scott today and uh we came up with the exciting team name of your hero scott which is a bastardization of a line from a movie called circle um but uh it's kind of an inside joke with me and my friends uh, maybe we'll put that at the end of the, or something yeah, yeah. Long story short, uh, a man uh, calls a character by the name Scott when his name is Sean right, right before it, he dies. He's sacrificing himself for the good of the group. Yep. Over on the uh, other side of the table, Neil is chomping on a Biscoff pocket from his uh, favorite uh, donut place. Uh, Biscoff is a cookie butter. It is a cookie butter? I don't necessarily enjoy it, but uh, Neil's a big fan. So uh, Jeff and Neil are going to be the Biscoff pockets, and uh, I think Matt's just going to stand by, right? Yep. Enjoy the show. Yeah. I don't get to, you know, just kind of sit back and relax and prove that I'm also here at the same time too often. So. All right. You know what, Matt? Uh, maybe let's throw it to you instead of the rules guy and, and hear your best rules guy impression. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. Talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Oh, Matt did a good job on that, don't you think? That was pretty spot on. That was impeccable. Mm-hmm. I mean, there might there's a few cadences that were a little off, but it was pretty close. Yeah, I'm pretty exhaust, exhausted after that, so you won't be hearing much from me the rest of the game. <laughs> all right, well, other Matt, Matt Coleman, uh, whenever you're ready, let's launch right into it. All right. Question number one is in the category of movies. Hooray. It will... F- it will fill me with joy if you know that this 2015 movie holds the box office record for the largest opening weekend gross for a movie not to open at number one at the domestic box office. Okay. I, uh, I have something to discuss with Scott here, so we'll let you guys lock in. Uh, that's oh. what that makes me think of. Okay. That reference, if that's a reference. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think that's the right, might be a year early, but um, yeah, let's go with it. Cause I might, my, my head right now is not uh, kind of zeroing in on something. So we're in. All right, Scott. Um, so there's a clue right at the beginning here and he said it would fill me with joy. So I'm wondering if that's inside out. What do you think? Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Plus I could definitely see it not opening at number one, but it, the, the word of mouth on that movie was so strong that it just kept going and going. So, uh, if you're good with that, I think we should go for that. Yes. Let's do that. All right. Inside out for us. And, um, yeah, I, I thought the, the reference was to joy. Um, I was pretty sure that's a 2015 movie. We said inside out. And that is correct. It opened with over $90 million in June of 2015, uh, but it unfortunately opened the same weekend as Jurassic World, which made over $200 million that mm-hmm. weekend. So 
congratulations to both teams on that one. Don't care if I get another question good, right. Good start, boys. I got a film question. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I actually haven't seen it. I feel terrible, but let's I, get Chippy out here, boys. I haven't seen it. Amy Poehler, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got to watch it. All right. Question number two is in history. Which president was the first to argue a case in front of the Supreme Court? You know, and I will clear. I will clarify. They did not necessarily do it while they were a sitting president. Mm-hmm. Do you have a uh, a line on presidents that were lawyers? I know a lot of them were, but yeah, I think so. Okay, um, I'm going to agree with Jeff. I have no bearing on this question, but his answer seems right to me. So we're in. I know that there is a pretty famous Supreme Court case called Marbury versus Madison, and I'm pretty sure that's James Madison, mm-hmm. and that was one of the early Supreme Court cases. So. That's the the best end I have to it. That's not a bad uh, thought. I'm wondering if he meant uh, as an attorney or just uh, a case representing himself, because he was, uh, I guess, probably the the defendant in that case, Madison. That case was concerning the uh, the powers of the Supreme Court itself, so right. I don't know exactly. <clears throat> My only other guess would be Lincoln, just since he was an attorney and a famous one at that. Um, but I don't think he argued in front of the Supreme Court, so I'm good with Madison. Yep, I feel like a broken record here, uh, repeating what was already said, but we thought maybe it was Madison of the Marbury versus Madison, so we said James Madison. All right, um, you're on the right track here, and while Madison was a party to that case, Mm -hmm. he was not an attorney and did not argue in in Marbury v. Madison. The correct answer is actually John Quincy Adams, who in who did it in 1841, but he actually did it after he served as president and while he was serving in the House of Representatives after being a president. So he was a fairly successful person all around. Yeah. And was this New York Knicks point guard, Stefan Marbury? Yes. Yes. That's correct. (laughs) I believe believe the case was uh, the the quality of his shoes. Oh, no, they were no good. Yeah. It was actually actually about uh, he he hit a Uh three-pointer, and the question was, did his actual foot stop oh, or the length the of his yeah. shoe was on the line? I heard there was yeah. a mysterious shadow that they weren't <laughs> sure about. So, Question number three is in sports. Three individuals have won an NCAA basketball championship as a player and as a coach. Joe B. Hall as a player and coach of Kentucky. Bobby Knight as a player with Ohio State and the coach of Indiana. And which former player at the University of Kansas and later coach at North Carolina? Hmm. Do you know any coaches at North Carolina or Kansas? So the thing that really bums me out Jeff knew is Bobby I knew Knight. Bobby Knight. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't even know he, he was a player. I knew Bobby Knight one as a player and as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only one of the three I had committed yeah. to memory. And so. he, Olympic medalist in chair throwing. <laughs> I know this guy. This is incorrect, but just that guy. It's yeah, wrong. That's fine. Okay. All right. We are locked in. All right, well, uh, Scott, uh, that question could have been posed to me in Swahili for all that it mattered. And while there are people in this world that understand Swahili and that question perfectly, it is not me. So (laughs) say whatever you want. I'm a little bit torn here because I think it's a bit of a trick. And I think he wants us to say Roy Williams. But if I remember correctly, I think the answer might actually be Dean Smith. So I think I'm going to lock in Dean Smith. All right. Uh, We actually talked about Dean Smith for quite a long time, uh, about actually who he was. Um, (laughs) He's the ice cream guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But Jeff, uh, who did we go with just because it was a coach that we knew? Uh, We said Coach K. All right. Well, that's the wrong North Carolina school, unfortunately. (laughs) 
Uh, Scott is correct. It is Dean Smith. My man. You would think it's uh, Roy Williams because he coached at Kansas before. That's where you guys got mixed up, I'm sure. Oh, well, Roy Williams was the other half of our long discussion that we had to cut out. You dummies. (laughs) 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 All right. Question number five is in chemistry slash geography. Provide the chemical elements whose chemical symbols, uh, when written out, identify the country whose capital is Kathmandu. This is going to be all Jeff here. Kathmandu sounds like a Bond villain, so that's all I can contribute. <laughs> okay, we'll lock in. It's, the country is Nepal. Uh, I believe that's neon for the N-E, mm-hmm. phosphorus for the P, and aluminum for A-L, or aluminium for the British listeners. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm really mad because I, I couldn't remember if it was Nepal or Bhutan. So we said Bhutan. So I said boron, uranium, tantalum, nitrogen. All right. And again, Scott was correct. The capital, the city, the country, excuse me, is Nepal. So it is neon, phosphorus, and aluminum. That Scott is one smart cookie, I tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are a hero, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I'm a hero. And my name's uh, actually Scott. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, the next question is in literature. In 1953, the state of Indiana attempted to ban which novel because its protagonist ideology was seen as promoting communism? I'm just trying to think of banned books in general, and then which yeah, one? I don't think that's terrible. The first one? Yeah. Okay. I honestly that that was where my mind first went. Go if the it's guns. the other one, I'll, we'll take a silver bullet right to the head. Every time, I, I can't tell you how many times I hear back the the recordings where Neil's like, "But if it's the other one." All right, we are going to go with uh, our first answer, so we're locked in. All right. Um, yeah, I'm having trouble with this one. Otherwise, I'm I'm trying to think of a kind of like like an innocent book where you usually wouldn't assume it would be banned for any reason. The other thing I had written down is To Kill a Mockingbird, which I don't really I don't think have that was a too... whole lot behind that, but it's possible, I guess. Yeah. Animal Farm? Hmm. That's as good as anything I've got. All right, let's go with Animal Farm. So we wrote down two uh, titles. We wrote down Charlotte's Web, and we wrote down Animal Farm, and Jeff pointed to Animal Farm. All right. Both teams have gone with Animal Farm. Well, this main character's ideology was that he stole from the rich and gave to the poor. (laughs) It's Robin Hood. How dare he? (laughs) How dare they spurn Russell Crowe like that? Well, and now Taron Egerton. (laughs) Oh. Give me that gold, bruv. (laughs) Spot on British accent. You like bows? You like arrows? (laughs) You want one in your face, bruv? (laughs) We apologize to our... Our British listeners, um, after uh, five questions, we have 30 points over on our side. Uh, well, Je- Jeff getting the, the movie question right, um, which was a surprising, you know, uh, delight. Twist. Twist. Uh, we only have 10. That was the only thing we I had right. I did say after that question, if I got nothing else right, I would be happy. I but then you missed don't an believe that's, question. I don't believe that's true anymore, but. Yeah, we have 10. Question number six is in the category of words. Uh, simply, uh, by, by what name is an octothorpe? better known yeah we're locked in uh i've heard this word too oh this is so familiar to me other things associated with a like magic eight ball um that doesn't seem like it would make any sense 
All right. Um, yeah, this is something that Jeff has probably told me several times in his life. Oh, you know what an octothorpe is, and I just forgot. So we're gonna go with stop sign. He's gonna. He's gonna. Uh, if he outlives you, he'll tell you that at your wake. Hey, uh, I told Ken what an octothorpe was. <laughs> he just, just never didn't listen. Just didn't listen. So you guys want uh, stop sign? Yeah. So I guess it really depends on how old you are, um, uh, whether you think it's the pound sign or whether, like Neil oh, and my, yeah. ourselves, we're feeling hashtag blessed. It's uh, the hashtag. Yeah. Okay. The correct answer is either the pound sign or a hashtag. So <laughs> now congratulations I, now on I that one. Now I distinctly remember him telling me this three or four times. <laughs> <laughs> I do think this might have been a question before, so... This did come back without great success. Coming back to bite me in the ass. I don't remember it, so that counts for anything. Uh, This next question is one that I thought was just pretty interesting, having read about it. Uh, The Category 7 is television. At the first Emmy Awards in 1949, the show looked a lot different than it does today, with only six awards given out that night. The first award that night went to 20-year-old Shirley Dinsdale, and her titular co-star for the Judy Splinter Show. Other than sharing the distinction as the first Emmy recipient in history, what else makes Judy Splinters unlike any other Emmy winner in history? I mean, I think I think if that's right, then I think that's specific enough. It's not a fact that I know, so I, I think yours is, is good enough. I'm not going to be able to get to it, so uh, we're going to go with Jeff's answer and lock in. All right, Scott. I uh, really think this is probably an animal. Oh, what were you thinking? That's interesting. I don't did not know. I don't know specifically, but it really sounds like you know little. What what was the other person's name? Shirley Dinsdale. So Shirley Dinsdale Shirley. takes the sca- the stage uh, with her famous like woodchuck in her arms. <laughs> Judy Splinters. Uh, that's good TV right there. All right. Let's uh let's say uh, Judy Splinters is an animal, non-human recipient. Yeah, we said the same thing. We guessed it's the only non-human Emmy Award winner. I'm gonna award credit to both teams. She was Judy Splinters was not a person. She was not an animal. She was actually a puppet. It was mm. a ventriloquist show, and they actually gave the puppet an, an Emmy that year. Oh, so okay. So we're both getting points with non-human recipient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's close enough. Was it a woodchuck? You I don't know what Judy Splinters look like. Was it, it made in of my mind? Wood? It would always be a. It'll be a woodchuck. So I'm looking it up Good right enough. now. Hey, you want to hear a knock on wood joke? My, my name is Franklin. Judy Splinters game. <laughs> Franklin. Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question number eight is in geography. What city name can be found on every continent except Antarctica? Uh, news news alert. Do, 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 do. Uh, Judy Splinters is just a creepy ventriloquist dummy. Not not a woodchuck at all. <laughs> That's somewhat disappointing. It's very disappointing. So the splinters probably just comes from her makeup. She's made of wood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any hmm. any thoughts on this, Geography Man? Uh, if Carmen Sandiego didn't go there, I'm not going to know it. Three to potentially four continents. Well, that's out of the six me. that would have that. Three to four out of seven ain't half bad, as well, they say. And we can discount Antarctica. So we only need six. There you go. All right, we're, we're locked in. Nothing's really coming to mind. Yeah. I was thinking some city that's been around a long time and large and famous, like Paris, Rome. I could think of, ooh, Rome. 
Uh, Rome and London would be my top guesses. Uh, my joke guess would be like Springfield, but uh, I think <laughs> London's not a bad. Asia. I could see Rome fitting into a lot of different like languages. Uh, let's go with Rome. That's not a bad guess. You didn't go uh, Cairo, Illinois? No, I was thinking of Cairo <laughs> too, but forget <laughs> it. Um, we went in opposite direction. We went, um, who would have put their stamp everywhere? And uh, that was the British. And we thought of which queen put her name on a bunch of stuff. We said Victoria. I can think of three right. or four continents with that. So, All right. So we have Victoria and Rome. Well, Scott's proving the team name correct again. It is Rome. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, question number nine is in music. Back on the eve of the millennium in 1999... Which group became the first to sell one million copies of their album in one week? Yeah, I'm I'm fairly certain it leans this way, Neil. I have two guesses. I'm just... I wonder what those two guesses are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fiona Apple and... Well, that one, that one fits the question. Um, and I guess it does fit the, the year time frame because the it other... Does. Yeah, the other one The other be, one I think is later. Well, it's one year later. Oh, let Neil overthink this. Okay. He's on my team. I let him overthink things when he's on the other team. Uh, we'll lock in your answer. And just for the record, uh, for the for, for the plaintiff or, or for the judge here, Matt Coleman, uh, the group that just destroyed that record one year later is definitely better. So, <laughs> so not based on what he said, but what I remember from a previous episode is no strings attached broke like every record in the book and way outsold um backstreet boys uh record the year previous which i think was called millennium or it had a song on it called millennium i was thinking yeah that the backstreet had an album called millennium yeah so um i think that album might hold this particular record Mm, i agree all right backstreet's back backstreet's back boys (laughs) yeah between saying um Back to start the question and uh, the album Millennium, we guessed Backstreet. Backstreet. Blackstreet? No. <laughs> no Diggity was a very popular song. It was, but not that popular. Well, you did pick up on the clues in the question. It is the Backstreet Boys. Uh, these boys don't so. need that many clues. We know our Backstreets. <laughs> All right. Question number 10 is in math. The number 2,520 is the smallest number to be what? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> is it visible by 2,520? I've tried to run a couple different common threads down, and I'm just getting nowhere. So, you just want to tap? Yeah. All right. We're going to tap. It. So, Scott, I don't know what answer Matt Coleman is looking for here, but I challenge him to say I'm wrong in saying that 2,520 is the smallest number that's a whole number larger than 2,519. <laughs> <laughs> that's a technicality, yes. Technically well correct played. is the best kind of correct. <laughs> Supreme Court, anyone? Do you know Do you know uh, what, what answer he's looking for? I can't come up with anything. Let's go with my answer then, see what he does. <laughs> yeah, all right. Balls in your court, sir. All right. Well, well, technically correct. The answer that I was looking for is that 2,520 is the smallest number That's divisible this. by every number between 1 and 10. Oh. oh. Bell points. 
All right, no points for me. Uh, well, while you guys are tabulating the scores after the first round, I uh, just want to give everyone a shout out uh, because we have Scott and Matt here who are Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them and uh, join uh, us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast where there's a lot of perks uh, that you can uh, take part in and you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month, not a day like <laughs> hey. they normally say. I mean, if you want to support us at a dollar a day, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say no. Yes, but it definitely I mean, is not would, a dollar a day. We would be so impressed. We, yes. could, af- we could afford the... We could afford those uh, those hungry man uh, frozen dinners instead oh, yeah. of the, the low budge ones. Where yeah. we're, we're you still need hungry. After Sally it. Struthers to come on and do a little <laughs> infomercial for you. We do. Yeah, we just, uh, us with sad faces and some Sarah McLaughlin in the background. We could get fresh <laughs> fruit instead of canned. And I'll yeah. make sure that uh, Neil only gets the blue M and M's. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's in my rider. Um, and then uh, yeah, join us over at the crop uh, to interact with uh, all the other listeners there on Facebook. We enjoy uh, having new listeners every day and uh, being able to interact mm-hmm. with you all. Get over there and grow some friendships over at the crop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, make some new friends, uh, some people to go play trivia with, some dinner mates. Uh, and then finally, our store is, is live, so you can either check out our merchandise over at our website. Uh, which has a link over there to our store. Or you which can is go trivialitypodcast.com. Thank you, Matt. Uh, or you can go to our vendor, uh, great guys uh, out of Ohio, uh, Inked and Screened. So it's uh, inkedandscreened.com slash triviality dash podcasts. And uh, you can check out our merch over there and wear our show logo proudly uh, with a lack of seriousness and uh, hopefully more knowledge than us. It's probably true. Yeah, generally speaking. Generally speaking. People have more knowledge than us. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to throw it over to Matt for the swing round. Uh, we have 60 points over at Your Hero Scott, and he is turning into a hero. And I think uh, Biscoff Pocket, sitting across from me, has 40 points. We have a double-double sawbuck. What? Well, we have a, a sawbuck. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ten, right. yeah we they have, have 40 points. We have 40 <laughs> points. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, this round is on famous roommates, people who have lived together who turned out to both end up being famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's 10 of them, so five points apiece. Question number one, Tommy Lee Jones shared a Harvard dorm room with which future politician? N- number two, Lee Corso was college roommates at Florida State with which athlete and actor? Number three, Owen Wilson was once roommates with which director with whom he frequently collaborates? Question four. Robin Williams was close friends and roommates with which superhero actor? Number five. Mel Gibson and which other Oscar-winning Australian roomed together early in their careers? Number six. Holly Hunter won a Best Actress Oscar which is only half as many as her two-time winning one-time roommate. Number seven, Shaquille O'Neal roomed at LSU with the father of which current NFL player? Number eight, Hillary Clinton was college roommates with the mother of which future Duke Blue Devil and NBA superstar? Number nine, John Stewart was once roommates with which infamous New York politician, and I will accept his alias. And number 10, Joe Montana roomed at Notre Dame with which future NCAA and NFL coach. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. 
On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, all the answers are locked in after quite a bit of discussion. So, uh, Matt, you want to refresh our memories on these questions and we'll give our answers. All right. Number one, Tommy Lee Jones roomed at Harvard with which future politician? Lockbox. Um, Yeah, we're pretty darn sure this is Al Gore. A whale is calling. We said Al Gore. Al Gore is correct. All right. Number two. Lee Corso was college roommates at Florida State with which athlete and actor? Yeah, this one, uh, we couldn't quite come up with anyone. I didn't know who Lee Corso was. Jeff uh, was trying to figure that out, too. So we actually brought it down to uh, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. Uh, Hulk Hogan, uh, known for being a Florida boy. So we just went with Hulk Hogan. I think this one is uh, just as great as Hulk Hogan and Macho Man. It's Burt Reynolds. Uh. There are a few people as good as the Macho Man, but Burt Reynolds is one of them, and that is correct. Lee Corso, you'll recognize as one of the annoying hosts mm-hmm. of every ESPN Game Day performance. He's the guy so. that always puts on the stupid mascot. Helmet That's right, he's the short old guy. Oh, is he the guy who everyone dresses up? Or, okay, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. I told you he was an old sports commentator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, number three. Owen Wilson was once roommates with which director with whom he frequently collaborates? I had mentioned that uh, the age uh, difference was about correct, and um, if I were to name a director that I identify Owen Wilson with, it would have to be Wes Anderson. Wow. Wow. Yeah, um, our answer is uh, coming in with a faded uh, color palette and uh, whip pants. That's uh, Wes Anderson. Some symmetrical shots. Yeah. (laughs) Wes Wes Anderson is correct. Number four, Robin Williams was close friends and roommates with which superhero actor? Yeah, uh, Robin Williams was a huge champion for Christopher Reeve and helped him at uh, charity events uh, for him. He was a good friend uh, after uh, his disability, and uh, we went with Christopher Reeve. Well, if they're correct, uh, we came at this the wrong way. Um, We Mm. thought uh, Michael Keaton, uh, who played Batman, was uh, about the right age and also a comedic actor, so we went with Michael Keaton. The correct answer on this one is Christopher Reeve. Uh, Robin Williams and he were such close friends that it's rumored that he actually paid off most of Christopher Reeve's medical expenses after his tragic accident. So wow. I never knew that. All right, number five, Mel Gibson and which other Oscar-winning Australian roomed together early in their careers? 
Uh, this one was tough because we couldn't think of an Australian actor that was about the same age as Mel Gibson, uh, but we ended up going with Russell Crowe. All right. Uh, yeah, so uh, we had it down to two people. Uh, one name I couldn't come up with for the life of me, and then I got it after we locked in, which was Jeffrey Rush, which we don't think it is, but uh, Jeff actually came up with what we thought was a good answer. Yeah, we um, we settled on Russell Crowe. Mm. Uh, well, Russell Crowe would have been a great pairing. Unfortunately, it was Jeffrey Rush. Oh. All right, number six. Holly Hunter won a Best Actress Oscar, which is only half as many as her two-time winning one-time roommate. Uh, this one was pretty difficult for us. Uh, we're going with another Australian here, Nicole Kidman. Okay. Um, yeah, she only won one Oscar, but good guess. Uh, we <laughs> we thought of Kate Blanchett, who won two, but figured age difference. Uh, we thought of Hillary Swank, uh, which is our locked-in answer. Uh, we, uh, you know, I thought of like people who who also won two Oscars, uh, Frances McDormand and others like that. But we thought Hillary Swank might have been, I don't know, in the same age range. So. Well, Neil, you said the answer again, Francis and this McDormand. time it was Francis McDormand. Yeah. Oh. As so. soon as you said Francis McDormand, I was like, Neil, that's that's like the exact age. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. All right. Number seven, Shaquille O'Neal roomed at LSU with the father of which current NFL player? Well, I'm going to say that he roomed with Odell Beckham Sr., and current NFL player is Odell Beckham Jr. All right. Well, if that's right, I'm super excited because I, I said, you know what, Neil, I'm getting an Odell Beckham vibe here, and I don't know if it's because the Giants game is on or if, you know, I, I heard that somewhere, but we went Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is correct. Wow. There's some pretty pretty amusing pictures of Shaq holding Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> when he is an infant in the locker room, so he fits in the palm of his hand, so they're worth checking out. Held him in one hand. All right. Yeah. You palmed them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number eight. Hillary Clinton was college roommates with the mother of which future Duke Blue Devil and NBA superstar? I uh, thought that I heard that maybe Hillary Clinton had roomed with Grant Hill's mother. All right. Oh, Grant Hill. Um, that's a that's a great guess. So uh, I was so busy trying to figure out Jeffrey Rush's name before uh, that we just gave up and put Luol Dang. From the Sudan. All right. <laughs> I, I don't think she was at dude. That's fine. <laughs> Hillary Clinton roomed with Janet Hill, the mother of Grant Hill. So, good job, Scott. All right. Uh, number nine. John Stewart was once roommates with which infamous New York politician? This gave us a load of trouble. We had we're not too good with New York politics and. Uh, uh, we were trying to think of somebody who maybe crossed over from comedy into uh, politics. Um, we said Bill Maher, though I don't think he's actually a politician. I believe Bill Maher went to Cornell. Um, we we went with uh, the guy who had a little bit of trouble uh, texting pictures of his member to everyone, and we went with Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner is correct. Oh, man. <laughs> would you have also had, accepted credit for Carlos Danger? We had... Oh, <laughs> I, I would have. We had such a long conversation about Anthony Weiner, and then eventually I just said, there's no way they room together. Yeah, I was just sitting here listening to him and be like, he had a really funny nickname, but I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> so, I always thought that was more of a short was, conversation, but uh, each their own. <laughs> got him. It was painful listening to you talk yourself out of that one. That's but. disappointing. I'm sorry, Scott. Yeah, we had a long conversation about Anthony Weiner, and we also talked about the question. So. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Final one, Joe Montana roomed at Notre Dame with which future NCAA and NFL coach? Uh, this one we didn't know. Um, Jeff had mentioned, you know, who would have gone to Notre Dame uh, with him and maybe been a coach. Uh, the only NCAA coach and uh, NFL coach, I just kind of thought the first one that came to my head was Nick Saban. So we went with Nick Saban. Um, I, it was a tough one. I just kind of took a shot in the dark and went with Mike Holmgren. Is it, um, right. is it John Harbaugh? Is not. Okay. Um, this was a little bit of a tougher one. He ended up coming back and coaching at Notre Dame, although not very successfully. The correct answer is actually Charlie Weiss. Yeah. All right. We're, we're adding uh, 25 points to our score over at Your Hero, Scott, and uh, we're at 85. Yeah, same uh, same here for the Biscoff Pockets. Uh, we added 25 to our score of uh, 40, so we're, we at, are at uh, 65. All right. Question number 11 is in the category of Shakespeare. All that glitters is not gold is a famous phrase used in a wide variety of works from poetry by J.R.R. Tolkien to Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven and even Smash Mouth's All-Star. Somebody. However, the phrase's origin is most commonly attributed to which Shakespeare play? Only shooting stars break the mold. Shut up. (laughs) The don't stop coming and the don't stop coming and the don't stop coming and the don't stop (laughs) coming. I have no idea on this one. I thought maybe it would uh, jog a memory, Uh, but um, I'm just going to lock in with a guess. Yeah, this would have to be a straight up guess on my behalf, too. Any ideas on this? I'm not a Shakespeare expert, but. uh, Maybe Merchant of Venice? yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I think that has some themes of greed and, and money, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, Merchant of Venice for us. All right. Uh, just for the fact that uh, there's an Anthony Hopkins version uh, coming out here uh, pretty soon, we went with King Lear. All right. Well, one team did get this correct. It is the Merchant of Venice. Pretty pretty simple uh, reasoning on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I just thought... It- any chance I could have to write a Shakespeare question that also fe- featured Smash Mouth, I had to take yeah, that opportunity. Know, so, right. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number 12 is in geography. Uh, Mount Everest is the tallest mountain on Earth by sea level. However, Mount Chimborazo uh, in Ecuador has the distinction of being the closest point on the Earth to what? We're locked in outer space or just like the furthest away from the way I was thinking was the furthest away from the center of the earth. Well, no, that all right, let's, uh, if you're okay with that, let's go with it. Let's assume right, that yeah. the geography that surrounds the mountain is much higher above sea level. And it's, uh, the closest to space, I guess, or the, you know, the end of the atmosphere. All right. You said, uh, you said what it's closest to, right? Correct. Okay. So I've generally heard this one referenced as, um, closest to the moon. I presume that would also be closest to space, uh, but we locked in with the moon. Um, and yes, part of that is the fact that Earth is an oblate spheroid. So it's mm-hmm. it's bulged out in the middle, which Chimborazo is much closer to. Yep. Uh, I think both teams are going to be correct on this one. I had the moon, but outer space is a correct answer as well. It's also, for clarification, the farthest point away from the center of the Earth. And it's due to the fact that, like you said, at the equator, there's what's called the equatorial bulge. Uh, so the moon or outer space is correct. I think that was the other screen so. name that Anthony Weiner used. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, may or may not be why I wrote this question, to be able to use the phrase equatorial bulge on here. So, all right. 
Matt, children, uh, listen to this show, please. <laughs> Actually, our, our audience is, is comprised entirely of one kindergarten class. <laughs> and they just gasped. They just gasped. Categ- uh, question number 13 is in the category of Steven Spielberg. Spielberg has two goddaughters who are also famous actresses. Name them. Are we locked in, Neil? You say name one or both? Both. Okay. We're locked in. I was trying to connect some famous actors that he had worked with and who had daughters who were in in cinema. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to do. Um, yeah. I was having trouble coming up with any, any um, actors in older Spielberg films that... Um, that might have had a famous daughter. Um, one, I'm thinking maybe Kate Hudson. Okay. I think, yeah, um, worth I a think shot. her mom might have worked with Spielberg. And then the other one, I don't know. I'm also thinking of Spielberg's like director homies, like his little posse, which is like mm-hmm. Scorsese, maybe Coppola. The Coppola family's pretty big. Uh, Sophia Coppola is not really an uh, actress, though. Mm-hmm. I'd put Drew Barrymore just because of uh, Ooh, that's, being such a... Yeah, let's do that. No, because she would have had a godparent already, right? I don't really know how that whole thing works. Uh, let's, <laughs> I mean, let's go maybe. With, yeah, let's go with Drew Barrymore. So Kate Hudson, Drew Barrymore. Okay. That's your final... Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I, I might have gotten it here. Drew Barrymore is for sure. Uh, he famously... Uh, became her godfather during E.T. because um, she's a child actress and then she had some issues uh, with drugs and whatnot and he helped her out. Um, the other one it took me a while to think about. I was going to think Kate Hudson because he um, directed um, Goldie Hawn and Sugarland Express. And when I was thinking of that, I was like, no, it's someone who's blonde though. And um, an actress who played young Wendy in Hook, I remembered, uh, was Gwyneth Paltrow, who I think is right. Well, Neil, you can breathe safely. It was indeed Drew Barrymore and Gwyneth Paltrow. Ah, we were so um, close. And the connection was that she did star as young Wendy Darling in Hook. So that's how she met Spielberg. Question number 14 is in history. George I of England ruled from 1714 to 1727. He was also the last English monarch to have what ironic distinction? Uh, do you want to lock in with that? Yeah, I've got, I've got nothing. Okay. Okay. Um, I was thinking maybe it's hard to think of royal distinctions that are ironic, um, but perhaps uh, to be uh, put in that position as a child or uh, to be executed, maybe. Though I don't think there are too many executed English monarchs. I think that was more of uh, the French's. Uh, Je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I'm not coming up with much of anything. I was thinking maybe like the last of one of the houses, but I don't know. And I don't know how that's ironic, really. What do you think of the idea of uh, being being made uh, king as a child? Yeah, that works for me. Okay. We'll go with that. All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that sounds really good. Um, because that would make him the boy George, but uh, mm. we said mad, <laughs> we said that he was the Mad King. So, okay, uh, this one was a little uh, difficult, um, but I think it's an interesting distinction. 
George the First was actually a German prince who ended up ascending to the throne. So he was the last English monarch who could neither speak nor read English. Oh, there. All right. Switching gears a little bit here. Question 15 is ironically in The Simpsons. Um, In the classic Simpsons episode, You Only Move Twice, Homer dreams of being the owner of the Dallas Cowboys and is disappointed when Hank Scorpio gifts him which team instead. Uh, uh, (laughs) You just don't know football, Ken. Mm, Hold on, hold on. (laughs) I can come up with this. Do we feel like there's an obvious answer here, though? There's only two answers to me. So. I remember this so distinctly, and they're all standing on the lawn throwing footballs at each other's helmets. <laughs> uh, I think we got to go with what we know. Okay, and all we right. know that they are definitely worthy of some ire. So okay, <laughs> okay. So so the gag was it's a bad football team at the time. Maybe uh, the Dolphins. Right. It was the Jets. Oh no, the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Oh, that makes sense because they would have been, depending on when this came out, they they had a couple bad years before Elway turned it around. Um, we just went with the Browns, just kind of the easy answer. Because everybody craps on the Browns. Yeah. Well, uh, not much to add here. Uh, Scott is correct. It is the Denver Broncos. Yeah. This was right before they became good and won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they so. won the Super Bowl next year. Oh, it was it was yep. like ninety seven. Yeah. Yes. Terrell Davis, yeah. Mile High Salute. Six, seven, or seven, eight? I can never remember. Yeah, I think they won in ninety-seven and ninety-eight. Right. The Packers won in ninety-six. Yes. Uh, question number sixteen is it uh, words and numbers? Uh, there are only two letters which, when writing out the full names of numbers, do not appear in any number. For five points each, name them. Those are my two guesses. I can't. Those are. We'll be those here are, all day. Those are good guesses. Um. Because the other ones that I would think wouldn't show up very likely. I, I have answers for, so. All right, we're locked in. Um, Q and C, Scott? I know. I have J, K, and Z for mine. I think Q would be in uh, quadrillion. Oh, yeah. And C, what was C? One of the octillion, I think. F. Okay. So K, um, what'd you say? K. I have J, K, and Z, which is zillion. one of those. At least Z. is not right. What's that? Z would be zillion. I don't know that zillion is a real number. Jeff shaking his head. He's given us answers. So. <laughs> Getting an answer. I just saying I don't believe that's a real number. How about J and Z? Okay. J Z. Uh, yeah, we went with the uh, with the men in black, J and K. All right. Uh, Scott, you got talked out of a right answer on this one. It's J and K. Mm. Ah. I think it's zillion, but I'm not 100% sure on that one. I'm pretty sure that is a real number. So, ah. All right. Uh, question number 17 is in sports. Who is the longest currently tenured coach in the big four professional sports leagues? Hmm. Um, I'm fine with your answer. We'll we'll say the other one. I think they're they're both in the same league. But uh, let's go with this one. I just I feel like he only came in yeah. maybe a decade ago at the most. Okay, but we're in. I think that uh, the two longest I think are Popovich and Belichick, and I believe Popovich has been around just a year or two longer than Belichick has. I'm cool with it. All right, Greg Popovich. That's a great answer. All right. Yeah. Uh, didn't even think of Popovich. Uh, we were thinking either Marvin Lewis or Bill Belichick, um, and we went with Bill Belichick. 
Well, Bill Belichick is second with about mm-hmm. 18 years, but number one is Greg Popovich at 21 years. All right, uh, question number 18 is in music. While more well-known for his work in other groups, who was the drummer on Tenacious D's studio albums? We're locked in. Yeah, I think we're good with uh, Dave Grohl. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, locked in with Dave Grohl. Yeah, we went with Dave Grohl. He's also the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dave Grohl is correct. As for those tasty licks as right. the devil. Well, I guess now uh, the, the clip from Circle is no longer the end clip. It's now uh, Dave Grohl is the devil. <laughs> is there a band no. less famous than the Foo Fighters and Nirvana, but more famous than Tenacious D that he's in? I feel like there's yeah, another the one. The Stone Age. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Question 19 is in business. In business 1973. <laughs> <laughs> you, sh- you should be very sorry. All right. Uh, in 1973, Fred Smith, the CEO of this company, took its final $5,000 in cash to Las Vegas, hoping to deliver a big win at the blackjack table to keep the company alive. After a weekend at the table, he flew back to the company's headquarters with enough money to pay off their debts. Which still successful company was Smith the CEO of? Yeah, I'm not going to. We'd sit here. We're locked. Okay. Okay. So these guys are locked in with what sounds like a guess. Um, I have no idea on this one either. I don't know who Fred Smith is. I've never heard this story. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I was thinking obviously a like a nascent business something that was kind of newer probably not something that had a lot of uh stores or a lot of brick and mortar stuff yeah, you can name it man I, I really don't know um i'll say hewlett packard okay all right I, weirdly i was thinking ibm for a while and i don't know why like it just is another tech reference but uh we locked in with i can't tell from here because i can't read neil's handwriting uh, we just said Smith and Wesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. The company was going bankrupt, wasn't going to be able to pay payroll, uh, so he left on a Friday night. Uh, there were a couple of clues in the question. Uh, he was hoping to deliver a big win at the blackjack table. Oh. He also flew back to the company's headquarters. Uh, the correct answer is FedEx. I didn't even think about the clue. That makes sense. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, yep, he won enough to pay off the debt short term, and then eventually the company turned itself around. So, all right, question number 20 is in video games. Mario today is synonymous with video games. However, Mario was only created for the original arcade version of Donkey Kong when Nintendo failed to secure the license for which famous cartoon character originally intended to be in the game. Uh, Any of those? Because that's all I'm coming up with. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think you're wrong in that vein of thought. I just, I, I just don't remember. So, whatever you feel strongly about. Okay, we're locked in. Uh, cartoon characters, uh, Bugs sure. Bunny, Mickey Mouse. I don't know. Yeah, this is sort of the same thing. I was thinking of someone who might be fighting a large ape, but I don't, I don't even know if Tarzan is really uh, like a, a cartoon, cartoon character. character. Yeah, I don't know. I say Bugs Bunny because at least he's a rabbit and he yeah, jumps. Yeah. I think I like Bugs Bunny better than Mickey. Okay. Bugs Bunny. Yeah, we wrote right. we wrote down Bugs Bunny, uh, Elmer Fudd for some reason, but uh, we just went the other way. So we went Mickey Mouse, went uh, went big. Nope. All right. Both both good answers. Uh, unfortunately, neither is correct. 
in the original game, uh, Donkey Kong represented Bluto. The princess was Olive Oil, oh, and Mario okay. was Popeye. That's cool. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So they couldn't secure mm-hmm. the licensing, and then moved on to Mario. And instead of collecting uh, umbrellas or whatever that is, it was cans of spinach. I'd imagine so. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like uh, Team uh, Biscoff Pocket has 105 points. Not bad. We secured another 50 points in that round to bring us to 135. So the categories, uh, the final categories are, uh, number one is Roadhouse, number two is Seinfeld, number three is Band Origins, number four is Pro Wrestling, and number five is Flags. What do you think? Well, Something um, in there for everybody. It's a po- real potpourri. All right. Uh, do both teams have their wagers locked in? We do. Damn. All right. Question number one is in the category of Roadhouse. Simply, what is the subtitle to the direct-to-DVD sequel of Roadhouse? <laughs> Question number two, Seinfeld. Bob Cobb is the name of which Seinfeld side character, although he would prefer you use his professional title instead? <laughs> uh... Question three is in Band Origins. 321 Contact is a children's educational show that ran for eight seasons in the 1980s on PBS and not the Discovery Channel, which touched on a number of different scientific issues. One recurring segment featured a group of young detectives who used science to solve crimes and who would later lend their name to which band? Question four is in pro wrestling. The main event of WrestleMania 1 sadly did not feature the Macho Man Randy Savage. It did, however, feature a tag team bout featuring four future WWE Hall of Famers. Name any three of these four individuals. And question five is in flags. What is the only country in the world whose flag features only one color? It is the country who most recently whose flag most recently featured only one color. I do believe it has changed subsequently. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. 
That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're all in. All right. Question question one is in Roadhouse. Uh, The question is, what is the subtitle to the direct-to-DVD sequel to Roadhouse? Um, Jeff and Neil, what did you wager on this one? We wagered five. We weren't sure if it was a trick category or not. But uh, this one, uh, not a good sequel. Uh, But it is called Roadhouse Last Call. All right. We wagered uh, 10 on this one. Uh, we talked about a couple things on this one. Immediately, we thought maybe it was Roadhouse Dalton's Revenge, or maybe uh, maybe it was a prequel, Roadhouse Dalton Begins, or something like that. But we went with Roadhouse Blood Feud. Uh, Blood Feud would be a much better movie, but it is Last Call. So oh, five points Neil to knew. Jeff and Neil. All right, question number two is in Seinfeld. Uh, Bob Cobb is the name of which Seinfeld side character, although he would prefer you use his professional title instead. Um, Scott and Ken, would you wager on this one? Uh, this is a big 20. All right. And your answer? I think this is the maestro. All right. And Jeff and Neil? Uh, I defer to Neil on this one because I'm not uh, as much of a Seinfeld guy as he is. So uh, I had no idea. Uh, we wager 10. And I uh, just trying to think of someone who had a name that was singular. So we just went Banya. Mm. Uh, it was not Kenny Banya it was the maestro yeah. it's weird because I was just looking up villas in Italy the other day <laughs> there's none available there's nothing, none available in Tuscany So, alright question number three is in band origins 3-2 uh, on contact is a children's educational show on PBS not the discovery channel lended the name to which band uh, Jeff and Neil uh, we wagered five. Um, I was trying for the longest time to think of the name. And then uh, thankfully people were commenting on the crop uh, about uh, wanting Dustin Resch to do a future game based on the song Touch or Touch Me. I don't know what it's called, but anyway. The Bad, bad touch. touch. The Bad Touch. Bad Touch. But I remember people saying, oh, Bloodhound Gang. And so we wrote Bloodhound Gang. Yep. Uh, they like to do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. Uh, Bloodhound Gang. And what did you wager on that one? Uh, 20 for us. Okay. Uh, that is the Bloodhound Gang, and I did write this question before Dustin's appearance, so <laughs> hopefully I didn't steal this one from him. Not at all. All right. Question four was in pro wrestling. Uh, the main event of WrestleMania one sadly did not feature the Macho Man Randy Savage. It did, however, feature a tag team bout featuring four WWE Hall of Famers. Uh, name any three of those four, uh, Scott and Ken. Uh, I'll let yeah. Scott take this. I had no idea on this one, so we just tried to name some famous old-timey wrestlers. Yeah, we wagered, Andre the Giant. Uh, we wagered 10 on this one, by the way. Yes. Okay. Andre the Andre Giant. Andre the Giant, uh, Ultimate Warrior, and Ric Flair. All right. And Jeff and Neil? Uh, we wagered 20 on this one. I don't know why Jeff put 20. I, I should have. Because I, luckily, I, maybe it's right. I don't know. Um, I wrote down four names because um, I, I didn't know if this, these were correct. But I put Hulk Hogan just because it was simple. Um, I do remember that first WrestleMania, they kind of went for um, cameo recognition, I guess you can call it. So I, uh, I knew Mr. T was involved in WrestleMania 1. Um, we wrote down uh, Roddy Piper. And then uh, the fourth one uh, was three. Oh, well, we just need three. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I was also going to put Ricky Steamboat, but we went with Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, and Roddy Piper. Wait, good thing you stopped yourself there, Neil. That's true. Uh, Ricky Steamboat was not in the main event. However, Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Mr. T, 
and Mr. Wonderful Paul oh, Orndorff yes. all were in the final, so oh. that is a correct answer. From Shark Tank. Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And the final category was in flags. And uh, the question was, what was the last country in the world whose flag featured only one color? Uh, Jeff and Neil? You know, when you get a capital question wrong earlier in the game, sometimes you get a little hesitant. And we only wagered 10, which is a little disappointing to me because I'm pretty sure that the right answer is Libya. And uh, I'm once again thankful that Scott is on my team. Uh, We wagered 20 and we said, Scott? Libya. It was an all green flag and it was Libya. Nice. Seems we're correct. Powerful final round there. Uh, If I am correct, I believe the Biscoff Pockets uh, came up with a little less cookie butter than uh, than they needed uh, to be enjoyable. But uh, it looks like teams, uh, you're a hero, Scott, is going to win the game with 175 points. And they're today's cream of the crop. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. You are a hero, Scott. No, I'm just along for the ride. No, we needed each other, and, and you're acting like a hero by being humble, but uh, you're a great teammate, and I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, that was – we worked very well. I'll say uh, it was a lot of fun, and thanks, Matt. A lot of good questions in there. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, really well-written game. Yeah, hopefully everybody enjoyed the questions. I felt like they might have been a little hard at points, but hopefully you learned some things and had a good time. And Ken, hopefully you'll come up with some categories of your own, and I'll write some that are specifically in your wheelhouse <laughs> right, next sounds time. Sounds good. So. Well, I like those those final questions. Those were great. Yeah, I felt like maybe the band Origins was aimed at me a little bit, and Seinfeld too. So, yep. Yeah, I greatly enjoyed that game. Thank you again for Matt and Scott for being on the show. They are both cruiserweight champions on Patreon, and we certainly appreciate that. And for my colleagues in the studio, Jeff, Neil, and Matt, I am Ken, and that was Triviality. 